Welcome to the Michigan Business Network. This is Media Business. I'm Tony Connolly. Thanks so much for joining the pod. We've got a great guest for you today. John Trescott is the CEO of Trescott Rossman, which is not only one of the top public relations firms in Michigan, but they're known nationally. And John has a wealth of knowledge, not only as an expert in the PR and marketing and advertising business, but he has real great insight into the media as serving as the director of communications and the press secretary to former Michigan Governor John Engler. So uh, looking forward to this conversation. John, I haven't talked to you in a while. How are you, my friend? It's been quite a while. I've been great, and it's great to catch up with you and talk to you again. Well, I haven't had the chance to talk with you, but I just want to send my condolences out about Kelly Rossman McKinney in my career and working in radio and print. There were many times that I had her on my radio show or had to chat with her about something. There were many times, John, that I didn't do much of the talk and I did a lot of the listening <laughs> because Kelly was just a cool hand, Luke, and just very smart. Well, I appreciate the sentiment. And she was one of the most special people you could ever know. And, you know, after she passed and we lost her, we did a wonderful memorial service where we all had a lot of laughs telling stories about her exactly the way she would have wanted it. But it really has rekindled a lot of great memories uh, that we were able to spend just incredible times together laughing and yucking it up and conducting business. And, uh, you know, there will never be anyone like her ever again. She was just that special. Well, John, let's dive right in. Before we start talking specifics, just what you've seen and what you hear from the media, whether it's covering COVID, news, business, politics, what do you see and what do you hear and what do you think? Well, I think just like in my business, in the public relations or communications business, the media has gone through just incredible disruption uh, over the last probably decade, if not a little bit longer. When you look at just in Michigan and covering government and politics, the Capitol Press Corps used to have at the Capitol about 50 people covering everything going on in state government. And that allowed the media really to dig into deeply into a lot of the issues affecting state government. The Detroit News and the Detroit Free Press each had bureaus, depending on the timing, between 13 and 15 people. And that's just when I was working uh, for the governor. So that was in the 90s. And now they have two, maybe three people, and they rotate people in and out. And the Capitol Press Corps is a fraction of the size that it was. I would say that being said, the people that are there are doing a really good job uh, covering what's going on. It's difficult work to try to keep up on, on everything that's going on. But I think what we've lost is the depth of the issues. Uh, we used to have the media digging in really deeply into each department and programs that were going on or problems that may be caused. And we've lost a lot of that. And it's not the fault of the reporters covering it. It's there aren't budgets. There isn't the space in the newspaper. The electronic media uh, really doesn't cover much anymore until there's a big issue or big crisis. So I think on the one side of it, everything has really contracted. And I think that's a disappointment for the people of Michigan who aren't getting as much information as they used to. John, let's break the media up into statewide and national. Let's go statewide uh, first. From your perspective, are they fair and balanced for either side? Do they give you all uh, the different angles of every story? I have found the state media to be extremely fair and very accurate. If I may have a disagreement with somebody, it's typically an editorial writer, which they are given the license to 
uh, write their opinions, and that's what they're supposed to do. But I have found even when I'm doing radio interviews with people, you know, I'm a Republican, and I could say they're a self-identified Democrat, I can say it's been a fair, robust conversation, fair questions, and we're civil to each other. So I think that the local media, the state media, is much different than the national media and all the chaos we see uh, going on at that level. What about the national media? <laughs> well, I kind of say look back to the way newspapers were or the media was in the mid-1800s where all of the outlets were organs of a party. They sold their philosophical viewpoint and you would tune in or then you would read what you believed in typically. So it reinforced what your own thoughts were. I think that's where we are today, especially in the cable realm. They've gotten away from the objectivity that they used to be known for when it was just the three networks covering the news. And I think it's really unfortunate because it has pushed people to the philosophical extremes. And that's not positive. John, do you think people watch the news uh, in regards to information that agrees with their philosophies? Or do you believe that people are looking for the true news and all sides of the story? I think people would like the true news, but they're not getting it. So you resort to, okay, what cable channel am I going to necessarily agree with more often than not? I mean, I know I do it. And I say, if I'm going to watch MSNBC, I'm doing it to watch what the opposition is saying. And I think that's just kind of a general feeling that we know what we like, we know what we want to hear, and we're going to reinforce our own philosophies and beliefs with it. John, let's talk about your customers for a little bit. You mentioned that you were a Republican, but I know you service people who are Democrats. How do you do that and be fair and balanced? We are a bipartisan or a nonpartisan firm uh, at this point, and our clients represent a broad philosophical spectrum, and it's our job to represent their views. We're not representing ourselves. We're not running a political campaign. We're representing their views, and I think that our bipartisan background actually helps us look at all different viewpoints and represent a client even better. We're talking with John Truscott, who is the CEO of Truscott Rossman. You're listening to Media Business. I'm Tony Conley. When we come back, we're going to talk with John and the media's coverage of COVID. This should prove very, very interesting. You're listening to the Michigan Business Network. For a home equity line of credit, ask for LaughQ. Stop in today or go to laughq.com slash home equity. LaughQ, your credit union for life. Welcome back to Media Business. I'm Tony Conley. This is the Michigan Business Network. We're talking with John Truscott, who is the CEO of Truscott Rossman. Trying to get an angle, John, on what's true and what's not true when it comes to COVID is a challenge. I find myself just searching the spectrum of news, uh, trying to understand. I don't think uh, anyone's following the science. I think this has become a political football. And many believe it's kind of a power grab by some states, some municipalities. What do you think? 
you know, covering anything that upsets society as much as COVID has, where we don't have or didn't have for majority of the time really hard and fast answers. This was difficult to get the facts. And I think people are more jaded by the information, by the news, how it's coming out. This has been one of the most frustrating things, I think, for us as a society uh, to deal with because we didn't know what was around the corner. We didn't know what was going to happen. And then it became very political and everybody retreated to their corners. So, you know, I thought early on the media did a fairly good job covering it, providing information. But then when it came to, and we get into, you know, beyond the media, when you're talking big tech and things like that, the censorship of ideas or comments that may not be in the political norm, maybe a little outside of what was accepted science at the time. You know, we've seen all these things evolve and some of the things that were rejected early on are now proven to be factually true and vice versa. So I think that's been a big problem with this is we haven't known what to believe. The media hasn't known exactly what to cover, but I think we've gotten away from being objective in our approach and presenting all sides and letting people make some judgments for themselves. And I think that that's harmful for the media and the credibility of the media going forward, because now people are suspect of the way that things are being presented. And uh, there's just a lack of trust across the board in all of our institutions, whether they be government, private sector, media, big companies, big tech, whatever it is, people just don't trust anybody anymore. John, I want to dive into censorship in a minute, but first I want to ask you, why do people in the media, why do politicians have such a hard time just saying, I don't know, I'm trying (laughs) to find out, I'll let you know when I know. Why can't we do that? You know, it started that way because we honestly didn't know. And then everybody said, including me, well, I was really, really sick. I had all the symptoms, so I had it early on before we even knew what it was. You know, I think there's just a general frustration with that. But, you know, uh, the media is supposed to be presenting the experts. And I think that they did a pretty good job early on with the doctors on the front lines who were seeing things and were having some success once some treatments came online. But they didn't leave it there. And that's the problem. You have reporters, journalists trying to be medical experts and telling people what they can and can't think and being critical of people who disagreed. It just got into this chaos that I think people are frustrated with. And, you know, when we talk about the good old days, they weren't that long ago, (laughs) kind of before COVID, when there was at least a greater degree of trust in the media, in our institutions. I want to talk a little bit about censorship. I don't think anyone would deny that big tech censors, especially perhaps conservative point of views. There's a couple of stories that recently broke a report from John Hopkins University in regards to the shutdowns and how they really weren't efficient in our battle against COVID. And also from the John Durham report in regards to some involvement from the campaign of Hillary Clinton in regards to what they did and pushing that narrative against Donald Trump. I'm not saying who's right or who's wrong, but there is censorship there, I think, John. What do we do to stop that? Yeah, I, you know, I don't know if it's outright censorship or just ignoring the facts or the story. that You mentioned the Durham report, which could be a bombshell like we haven't seen since Watergate. And I don't want to borrow Trump's term for that, but this is if there was an organized effort to spy on the United States president, we've never seen anything like that uh, in our history as a country. Um, why isn't the big media outlets, the newspapers and the networks 
running this yet. These are almost indictments. They're charges that have been filed and the evidence uh, is being presented. So they'll probably get onto it late. You know, I think in terms of how we resolve this, I think we need more credible, objective people in the media. You know, unfortunately, I think the outlets have put a premium on having the personality, the star power, rather than somebody who is going to present the news objectively. And I think if we can have a few successful people do it objectively, that may help with the trend of moving back to the middle. I recently had someone uh, on the pod and he used to cover sports. He covers news now. And he was talking to me even five, 10 years ago, the folks, he'd be in the background listening to the news folks. There was a narrative coming from them. They were liberal. They had liberal ideas. These were journalists who were supposed to have open minds and whatnot. John, from what you can gather, how long has this been going on in regards to decades, (laughs) the schools and what makes a journalist want to go left as opposed to right or center? I'll give you a perfect story. Uh, Richard Benedetto used to be the lead political columnist for USA Today um, for a number of years. Great journalist. He told me one time that when he went to journalism school, they would teach you to go into the room and describe what you saw, the comments, the character, the color, just describe what you're seeing. He said, now they teach students to go in and not only describe what they see, but what they should think about what they're seeing. And that's a fundamental change. And I think that's the difference between the way journalism used to be and the way it is today. We'll talk to John Truscott, who is the CEO of Truscott Rossman. I'm Tony Conley. This is Media Business. When we come back, we're going to talk about the objectivity of the media. I'm also going to ask him a question about Donald Trump. We'll do that next when we come back on Media Business. Stop staring at your phone and plan some fun this winter at Treetops Resort. Dog sledding, tubing, sleigh riding, indoor golfing, ice skating, swimming, racing, snowshoeing, cross-country skiing, scavenger hunting, juggling, or relaxing in the spa. That's just some of the fun you can have. And there's skiing, and snowboarding, and sleeping, and eating, and drinking, and eating and drinking while cross-country skiing. I think you get the point. Get outside and have some fun or be boring. 888-TREETOPS or treetops.com. Welcome back to Media Business. I'm Tony Conley. Thanks so much for joining the pod on the Michigan Business Network. You know, what's interesting about the classes that I took at Michigan State on journalism, and you may have recalled the name Steve Klein. He was the first Mm -hmm. guy at the Lansing State Journal who really taught me how to write. And the things that I would learn in class were completely opposite of what they wanted me to do at the newspaper. And so I found myself doing the classwork the way they wanted it. But in real life, in the working world, I did it the way they wanted it. And I thought that was interesting. Well, you know, we talk about the phrase clickbait, you know, on the website and more people get their content from the web than on TV or in a newspaper. Um, And it's the sensational headlines. It's the lead of the story that grabs people. So if you're going to have people clicking through, what are you going to do to grab their attention? So it's a fundamental flaw with the business model that's driving it that way. If it bleeds, it leads. So John, I want to ask you about being objective, objectivity from a journalist. How do we change that? How do we get 
reporters to want to function that way again, or are we are what we are? You know, again, I think our state reporters are doing a fairly good job of that. I will note, and kind of we were talking a few minutes ago about reporters being more liberal. When most reporters leave journalism, they go to a Democrat organization or a more liberal organization. It's just kind of the way they're born and bred. And I don't begrudge them that because I've known a lot of journalists who can be very objective and fair in their approach. I think probably less on the national level these days um, used to be uh, quite frequent where um, there were just great journalists who I knew I could tell who they voted for, but they were so fair and objective and they asked really, really good questions. We touched on it. It's just, that's not the training anymore in journalism schools. So, you know, I think part of it is, I think finding objective journalism and elevating them and helping them be successful and making them the model. So then others may hopefully follow. I want to talk about Donald Trump and I find it very curious. I would hear this from folks I knew were big Donald Trump supporters, and I would think the same thing. I think it can be argued that before COVID hit, when the policies that Donald Trump implemented made the economy good, energy prices were good, we were saving more money, there were more people were working, there were more jobs. He was putting America first, whether you like that or not. And then there was always all that noise. And I just wondered why someone didn't get in his ear and go, look, you want to win a second term, then be quiet, shut up, stay off of Twitter and don't argue with these reporters and just do the work. It seemed like winning wasn't more important to him. Winning an argument he couldn't win was the most. And as a result, he lost the election. I agree with everything you've just said. But then I go back and you look, he had a lot of turnover in people that were probably trying to advise him to do that. So they're there for a while and he just gets rid of them until he's surrounded by people who I'm assuming told him what he wanted to hear. And it's really unfortunate because the results of what he did were pretty stark compared, especially to what we're dealing with right now in our economy. But I think people just got exhausted with him being a jerk. Um, And it's really unfortunate. And John, that goes back to kind of like that team thing. I coach uh, middle school basketball. I used to coach high school basketball. And you're always thinking team, and there's always that guy that wants to score 20 or do his own thing. But it's like, don't you want to win? Someone couldn't get in his ear. Even all these family members he had. Don't you want to win? Don't you want to help these people out that you're helping? And it seemed like that didn't matter. Some people can't get out of their own way. Uh, when it comes to things like that. And it's, you know, it's it's a psychology. It's the way he was raised. It's where he's from. And, you know, I think he loved every single battle that he was in and felt he had to win every single battle rather than taking a step back and saying, I can give a little bit over here because in the long run, I'm going to win the overall battle. So mm-hmm. it's a fundamentally different approach. And I think part of it is he was never in politics. So he didn't learn to compromise, didn't learn to work a deal, bring people in, form a coalition. It was, he was in business. So he was used to striking deals and the lawyers would go figure out all the details and, you know, you just charge ahead. You know, COVID I find fascinating when you start looking at things that the world is going to end. I remember December 31st, 1999, the world is going to end because all the computers are just going (laughs) to lose their mind. And uh, even with COVID, but if you look back over history, John, whether you're a person of faith or a person of goodwill or an intellect, we've gone through so many 
hardships and tragedies and disease and illness. And we always triumph, but we seem to forget that and, and just run around like a chicken with its head cut off. We are so caught in the moment right now. And that's our perspective. When you look at other countries that have been around for centuries, they have a much different perspective. Societies have been around that long. I often have a saying that anytime this country has been in despair, had these the kind of malaise that we're going through now, we've always been fortunate that somebody emerges, a great leader who can kind of take us forward, restore faith that people have in their institutions. And I'm very hopeful that we have that type of person emerge in the near future that can help set the course right again. We've been talking with John Truscott, who is the CEO of Truscott Rossman, one of the country's top public relations firms. John is just a wealth of knowledge and experience. I appreciate you so much. I look forward to seeing you, John. We got to break bread together. I'd I would that. love to do that, Tony. Yeah, it's been way too long. All right. Take care of yourself, sir. Thanks. You too. See you. You've been listening to Media Business. I'm your host, Tony Conley, and this is the Michigan Business Network.